Hey everybody, welcome to episode 262 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All right, well, to start off with uh, today, we have a couple of, just a couple of quick things on fact check. Um, I was trying to remember last week what uh, there was, I, I rattled off, you know, Led Zeppelin and a few other things that are, that are turning, you know, the Apollo uh, moon landing, uh, all turning 50 this year. But the other thing I couldn't remember is that Woodstock, the concert in you know Bethlehem, New York, or whatever it was, or where it was uh, on Yasker's farm was 50 years ago. Actually, last weekend would have been the the anniversary of of Woodstock. So that was what I was trying to struggle to remember. And were you there, Mark? No, I was not there. <laughs> were your parents Although there? I, in theory, it could have been. <laughs> yeah, but but I was not. No, my parents were about as far from the type of people who would go to Woodstock as as you could get as uh, as you could get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You sure about yeah, that? I am 100 sure. All right. Okay. Yes. Um. And the other the other bit of fact check here, and I got two links here for the to show notes is is what I was actually thinking about last week when I talked about using your your house wiring as networking is there is a networking technology or, or system or whatever called power line networking and uh, you can still you can still use it and Net, Netgear has a few pieces of equipment and basically it's like extending your home line network you can put like a call an access point here in like like in the basement and your and wire it in via Ethernet into your into your network uh, and then plug it into the the hydro lines, as we call them here in Canada, the electrical circuit, the electrical power lines in your house, and then go to another junction box in the house and put an, uh, an access point up there, and that will actually extend the network using your own home network. Um, so it's kind of a, it sounds a bit dodgy, but you know, but apparently it does work. And I think you were saying last week, Mark, that the, the wire does have the capacity to carry the copper does have a, a capacity to carry that kind of uh, signal, right, for networking. Yeah, reasonably so. I mean, so you're not going to get a gigabit, but yeah, you can get yeah, something decent. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, Netgear still sells uh, some some adapters for that purpose and so on and so forth. All right. And I think, actually, now that I think about it, I think the w- wireless network isn't quite up to the speed of gigabit yet, is it? Wireless? Fiber is. Fiber is, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So we have some Ask MTGC, so I'm going to throw over to Jaime. What do you got there? Yeah, the first one is actually pretty timely because friend of the show, former guest host and bug smasher enthusiast, uh, <laughs> Greg Hio, says, uh, I think Tim was remembering power line networking, not the home automation oh. thing Mark was thinking of. 10 megabits per second speeds. Ooh, so, there you go. Right in line. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw that one, but uh, that's related to what you were just talking about. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, uh, Paul Wilkinson says uh, at about 428 in this week's episode, Tim Mitra mentioned how semantic developers can be. I think he mm-hmm. meant pedantic developers can be. Yeah. The sad irony of this, word. Yeah. <laughs> of this tweet. Um, yes. And then and then your your subtweet about uh, entomologists. I wonder, wonder if it bugs people that they get their name wrong. <laughs> If <laughs> we had a production values, we'd have like a, you know, the drum rim shot, the cymbals playing right yeah. now. Well, semantics is the study of language and words and that kind of stuff. So it is kind of, kind of, you yeah. know. Developers are semantic. Yeah. But, but pe- they well are pendantic and picky. And as I said, and I, and I put insufferable usually fits as well. So, yeah. but uh, yeah. And, and maybe my pick later on might help with that too. Uh, what else you got, Jaime? Next one we've got, uh, next couple we've got from a uh, friend of the show, Rob Whitaker says, uh, Hey, Jaime, just listen to MJ- MTJ. MTJC. He did a good overview of the dominoes 
thing. The one thing you were unsure about regarding the standards changing, uh, this is in reference to us talking about the um, accessibility or the visually impaired and the, the Domino's lawsuit. Uh, it says that the Department of Justice uses the WCAG uh, to determine if a service is accessible. The last major update to the WCAG was 2008. They don't update very often. So to those driving at home, what does WCAG stand for? So I clicked through on the very helpful link that we will also include in the show notes for those of you driving home. Uh, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Ah, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Which the last revision was uh, December 11th, 2008. Mm, Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, my first uh, first story here in the follow-up is relating to the Apple TV Plus, which we were speculating about a couple of months ago. And I can't remember what we landed on in terms of the price, but but, uh, it's now been announced, I believe, or it's been leaked. Uh, Let's just double check that. That it will be, it'll run free for a few months. Uh, we're not sure how long the trial is, or does it say in the article? Um, but it'll be nine ninety nine US dollars USD uh, for those of you who want to join join up with the um, Apple TV Plus. And we talked about this on Spotcast too, I think, right? And and the fact that it's like taking on, uh, you know, Amazon and Netflix already have established, and Hulu, I suppose, already have established services. Disney's coming in with one, AT and T, Comcast, NBC Universal, NBC Universal. I think MTJC is probably going to come with a channel next year as well. Um, so what do you think about that, Jaime? I I mean, the pricing seems okay, or at least it will be in the future if they truly are going to launch. Is that undercutting just... Netflix's current price, by the way? Yes. Um, I ah. don't know what the lowest normal sort of Netflix thing is. I want to say it's like uh, $8.99, maybe $9.99 US. Yeah. It went up a couple of bucks here in Canada, I believe. Yeah. And I think possibly for all the different tiers, there's like a, like a very basic tier. There is the sort of middle tier that you, everybody would sort of want or need. And then there is the, I need bazillions of simultaneous streams. And I also want 4k content. And that one's, this is for Netflix. Right. You pay, you pay extra for Netflix, like for that stuff. I pay for, well, I want to say it's like th- two, three simultaneous streams. I forget. Oh, really? I forget okay. how the tiers work. I, I maybe should go and, and double check the last time I did maybe three months ago. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess, I guess I can't drop down my service. Yeah. It may be different here in Canada because we have four, four, like four users. And I think only two people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause only two people can have the show on it and be using it at the same time. Right. And then otherwise then it complains about the third person who tries to join up. Right. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. There's, there, there's tiers for that. And I think the highest tier besides extra stream, uh, simultaneous streams, I think it also has the 4k content if I'm not mistaken. Okay. okay. Um, so it, it's definitely cheaper than that. It is, um, definitely more expensive than Disney plus. And it's, I think over time, again, that I think this pricing will make more sense at launch. It's going to be kind of weird, but they'll basically just have five shows. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. <laughs> whatever you might think of Netflix's catalog, um, it's certainly bigger than five shows. That's true. That's true. Well, do you think they'll also have a, a catalog of, of old shows, a back catalog that you'll have access to? They must do. I think Amazon started that way too, because Amazon, when they right. first started up, they had, it was like, they had a few shows. I think they had Man in High Castle and a few other things, but a lot of it was old, old movies that you would find in the rental bin you know at the yeah yeah so kind of thing and and it's gotten better i mean they've got some i mean they won then they win an academy award for one of their uh netflix or for their amazon shows uh the one with um batman's brother uh casey affleck oh you mean the movie yes yeah yeah what was that called doesn't matter something anyway. something of manchester yeah. manchester yeah yeah, that one, yeah yeah manchester united i don't know that's a soccer <laughs> team I'm, I'm struggling 
It's like Manchester by the Sea, maybe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Manchester of the Sea, like chicken. I have no idea. I've I've gone lost with that one, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I uh, the the shows seem like they could be interesting. So I forget what the five are. The two that that sort of come to my mind are uh, C with Jason Momoa. The yeah, the for all mankind is this, the space one. Oh, okay, yes, that one seems yeah. pretty good too. The, um, the knockoff then, title. Yeah. Then uh, morning show, mm-hmm. the one with right. uh, Reese yeah. Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. Right. Yeah. Um, did, did anybody see the, the the trailer for that one? And then there's two trailers. The first one the was teaser. sort of all atmospheric, and and people were giving throwing a lot of shade at it. Right. It was crazy. Like, why would you do a teaser for this kind of show? Like, this isn't you know the new Star Wars sort of thing. Like, all right, we, we, we've got like one scene that's been in post production. This show is literally taking pictures, moving pictures of people. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no oh, you mean like post production like work kind of thing, right? Yeah. Unless they're you know using deep fakes to like you know remove people's wrinkles or something like this. That's ridiculous. This isn't the kind of show that really needs a uh, a mood teaser. So where's yeah. my where's my you know further trailer for C? That's the one I want to ironically see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I did see the uh, did see the second trailer for news. Sorry, morning show, and it's like yeah, derivative. Seen that before. You know, okay, this guy's having this guy's under stress, and there's a new new anchor in town, and blah blah blah. Right. I mean, it it, it certainly felt a bit like uh, newsroom with yeah, uh, Jeff yeah. Daniels. Uh, I'm guessing Steve Carell plays basically Matt Lauer, <laughs> from what I can tell, right. with yeah. the sexual harassment uh, thing. Yeah, and it's a bit of the news. The, what's the the news anchor one with with um, Will Ferrell? Sort of that sort of. There's a new anchor in town, and it's not Christina Applegate, but it's Reese Witherspoon, right? So same same concept. We'll have to see how how fresh Apple can make it, right? Yeah, or and not Apple. Whoever Apple's hired to make it. Right? I think if they do something like Apple Music, where you get like a month free, or maybe maybe the whole summer or something, I'll probably wait. I'll just sit on my free trial until. Yeah, uh, C comes out and then see this for free. Well, it takes a long time to make TV shows. So I'm surprised that, that uh, yeah, I mean, I went, it's, there's almost like no good time to start, right? So I have to see where it goes. But that's coming, is that coming? Yeah, by November, right? So is the rumor? I don't recall, is that stated in the article? Yeah, uh, by November. Um, expected to drive $50 billion in service sales by 2020. So that's, yeah, interesting prognostication. There's a $10 word for you. All right, let's move on to the next story. Next one's kind of related. It's certainly the same theme that, mm-hmm. uh, according to the folks here at 9to5Mac, uh, uh, Apple's arcade service, subscription service, the gaming service, will be $4.99 per month uh, as a price uh, after a free trial and worked with family sharing, which would be pretty nice. So is that not, it's not out yet, though, right? They're just still rolling that one out? Well, correct. There's um, There was like an early access program of some sort that I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch the video today. I think the 9to5Mac folks actually had uh, a little bit of hands-on, like 17-ish minutes worth of uh, YouTube content covering some of the games. Um, I mean, for for the price of $5 a month, and I'm assuming, you know, if you've got kids or if you're like, yeah, I kind of want to, you know, play games without, you know, going through the effort of getting like a Switch or a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One uh, One X. And also, if you want to do these things for on the go, and 
not necessarily convenient to take your switch with you um, if you're going to the office for example i could see this working um i will have to take a look at the games that are there and see whether or not i would personally do it myself but certainly not outside the realm of possibility you know it's funny when you mentioned systems i was thinking about the pippin remember that thing apple tried to get into gaming back in the i think it was 90s oh yeah mm-hmm, that's right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah they also had an apple t- they had a mac tv as well which is all black with a black keyboard and a black mouse right i had a built-in tv tuner i don't know if you remember that or when you guys are in grade school come on let's move on <laughs> i wasn't in grade school i know you weren't i'm teasing teasing jaime all right well here's the big news here we are yes <laughs> uh, for u.s customers uh, earlier this week uh, a couple uh, one day ago actually the apple card launched for all u.s customers so not just mm-hmm. the people who got the early sort of invite or added themselves to the waiting list uh, i myself signed up for an apple card and also uh, am waiting for my titanium card to show up the uh, the very same titanium card that in very classic fashion they do not recommend you put in contact regularly with denim or leather which well, boggles duh. my mind no denim hello well what how is that going to work with like 99 percent of developers out there i mean your your pockets right and that's assuming you just sort of let your your cards dangle sort of free and untethered um what about wallets wallets tend yeah, to be like, made out of leather? leather yeah exactly yeah that's kind of strange are they giving a reason is there some chemical reaction between titanium and leather presumably there is this is not like going to be like the titanium max which aren't really titanium or they're not the part the surface is exposed to human touch is not titanium it's made of titanium but it's painted right so and you know and glaze and or the we call it shellac cover or whatever um to a clear coat right to to protect it but you think these are just gonna be raw titanium carrying around in your pocket i, I assume it has like a glazing of some sort or a shellac as you mentioned yeah, yeah. um yeah no idea. It just, it strikes me as like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Do we have to buy like a sleeve for the thing now? Uh, or apparently, I guess. You have to buy a case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <like> a case. <laughs> Get a sock for your card. Um, and it would be magical if it changed color, right? Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. Apparently Oops. it will actually change color. Um, just like, from all the smudging, just like the changes color oh, in, true, the, yeah. in the wallet app, which is something that, uh, that I didn't know because we were all very confused until Mark found that that link. Yeah. So what link was that about? Like you guys are tweet, tweeting about, or so you were slacking about the color change, and it, I guess it depends on what type of things you buy or the amount of money you spend. Is that what it's about? Yeah. So I I got my card and and uh, installed it in my wallet last night, and the first thing I noticed was it was just completely white, uh, which was very different than all the pictures that I've seen, which have this multicolored thing. So I was kind of confused and asked uh, Jaime, who had also just got one, what color his was, uh, and then I went online and. And did a search and found an article that uh, we can find the link for that says that uh, the colors, this is kind of interesting, the colors that you see on the card in your wallet are actually determined by what you've been buying. So that each category has a different color. And depending on uh, the, you know, the the ratio of one category to the next category, you'll get different colors showing up on your on your card. Just kind of a cool, fun gamification kind of thing. Interesting. So I have a couple yeah. of questions about this. So, well, wallet kind of works across your devices if you have an iCloud account. So are you required to have an iCloud account with with this or is it only for like iCloud syncing to have, like if I want to have the wallet on my iPad and my watch and my phone and my Mac presumably, So as far as I know, wallet does not sync through iCloud. You can, you can, you have to put each card, at least for, at least for credit cards, uh, you have to put each card in separately on each device. Right, right. And I guess it gets verified by, like in the case of our bank cards, 
up here, they, they get verified by the banking organization before they actually become a card you can use on your on your iOS device. Is that similar with the with the Apple card, do you think? I think it is, yes. Yeah. Now it's a really interesting question whether the same thing is true about uh, just regular passes or you know concert tickets or whatever that you put yeah. in your wallet. So I'm actually trying to check that right now. Yeah, I don't know. Do we even have wallet on iPad? I can't remember. I don't think I'm we opening do, my but iPad I now. Do we have it on our, our Macs? No. I think regular passes must uh, sync through your uh, Apple ID in some sort of way because I'm looking at passes and I have passes here on my iPhone 10 back to like 2014, maybe 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I those keep all have my to passes. Be. I don't know about you, but I keep, I, keep I, I don't keep like Eventbrite and stuff. So I will keep things like I'm looking here at the Apple TV Tech Talks whenever those happened. Um, and as North at Le Chateau Montebello back in 2015, uh, WWDC 2015. So I have my iOS Tech Talk from 2013, and I have a couple of um, NS North ones, 2014, 2016. Right, but I, th- but I think Mark's right that for things like payment cards, credit card type stuff, those have to be individually added, although I believe the list is available there. So mm-hmm. usually, oh, yes, I sure would like to add my whatever card, MasterCard, Visa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I had this other phone, I did see my credit card there. So I tapped it and it says this card is ready for, oh, wait a minute, it's ready for Apple Pay. What does that mean? Yeah, so it probably ended up having to provision the card mm. to that device. Like, I, it's so rare to do this because I only do it every time I buy a phone, which is roughly yeah. every two-ish mm. years. I think, I think, I think when I've gotten new phones and new watches, you have to go through the effort of I, I remember doing that myself. So I'm a little confused now, but this, this particular phone was made as a copy of my main phone. Mm-hmm. So it, it does seem to have everything in there. So I'm not sure what that implies. Oh, it doesn't have my Apple card though. No, How but- about that? Mm. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right because in my case, like when I look at my wallet, my two I have two uh, payment cards in your one uh, Visa card and my debit card, and they sort of float above my tickets and stuff like that, like like yep. event yep. event passes, right? And your Apple Pay Cash is up there too. I don't have Apple Pay Cash in Canada. Oh, no, that's too bad. It's pretty useful. I do actually have I do actually have the uh, the the service, but it doesn't. There's no point in enabling it. I've I've turned it off. Mm-hmm. So what does Apple Cash do for you? Uh, this is the one that lets you send cash to people. It's kind oh, of like, like Venmo thing. or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Or, or Stripe or Stripe or where? Yeah, looking at my transaction history, I can see me sending and receiving money from uh, uh, to and from Mark and Greg. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we use Interact for that up here. Maybe that's probably why Canada hasn't bought into it yet. We've had that service for a while. Yep. There's Jaime in there right now. <laughs> Speaking of 2018. So have you have you been able to use the Apple Card anywhere? Like, is what's what's the big... I mean, I get that it's out Apple and shiny and it has an apple on it but what i haven't used it the place where i went for lunch today uh does not take apple pay so i couldn't use it oh hmm. i've used oh, it so once it so that instant provisioning worked for me i um Went to the eye doctor, got an eye exam, got some extra stuff, paid for it using my, uh, with Apple Pay, using my Apple card. Yeah. And uh, it's still a pending transaction, so I, I can't see mm-hmm. what is up happening with the, the daily cash stuff. But it shows up pretty nice. And as mentioned, my card shows up as red because that is the color for the health category. Okay. And so, and it's, so is a, is a payment, a cash back card? Is that the concept behind it? Yeah. I think they talk about it here in the article. So, uh, 
three, two, and one percent. What is it? Three uh, percent daily cash on all purchases made directly with Apple, including at Apple right. stores, Apple.com, App Store, iTunes Store, and for Apple services. Two percent every time they use the Apple Card with Apple Pay, and one percent for everything else, which is almost certainly going to be stuff like uh, card not present. If you use the details that you can get from within wallets, uh, shopping online, for example, that doesn't support Apple Pay, or using the physical titanium card. Mm. But what about in the interest rate on the car on the credit? Yeah, it, it, their their onboarding is um, it's a little basic. <laughs> And I say okay. that as somebody who's, you know, who's worked at a, at a competitor, so I'm probably a little grumpy when it comes to how they do their uh, uh, IDV, the identification document verification, and, and a couple other things. It seems a little a little jank, if you ask my opinion. Um, but it works, you know, reasonably well. And um, the rates that I got, you know, I think it's something like 12.99 to 23.99, roughly. So what does a variable rate mean? though like i don't i don't understand that uh varies with the prime rate i think well oh my impression was they determine the rate based on your credit score right right so it's not necessarily it, it may be but but when i read it i didn't get the impression that it was variable over time it was just you were given a certain rate based on who you were oh oh so it's it's not a variable apr it's just the one-time check that was the impression i got although okay. you know i could be wrong yeah yeah so mm-hmm. it's kind of funny when i was when i was thinking about it to him i was like you know it almost doesn't matter what the dang rate is i'm fortunate enough that i just am able to pay off my credit cards just completely zero out the balance every month so i effectively pay zero percent interest right gotcha yes yeah i do the same so for yeah. reward uh, cards you know getting free points and in this case you know three two and one percent back um i mean again not a financial analyst not a cpa you know if i get hit by a bus and survive and you know end up getting behind my bills there's a reason revolving credit is a very risky thing and the you know fire is risky you know make sure you don't leave the stove on overnight sort of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh yeah i think mine came out to like 1799 it's like oh that's high it's like sorry yeah, on my credit card. Was was pretty, actually, pretty good. i was actually quite surprised because i have a, a very high credit score uh, but and and i got a 17.99 percent yeah i was wondering yeah, like who the hell's getting the 1299 kim exactly. kardashian yeah. and justin bieber maybe so maybe so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Hmm. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. Yeah, interesting. Well, fortunately, because I work for a financial institution, I, I get a good rate on my cards. Better than Apple. Well, anyway, uh, okay. Is that because so, they can just garnish your wages since they, you're an employee? I suppose they could, right? Well, I've always wondered could. about that. I wonder if that's even legal to do. I, I, I think, say it I think it's part of the golden handcuff too, right? Because <laughs> hmm, hmm. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to leave and lose my credit? You know, what? what? Yeah. Uh, you speaking of, until you pay uh, your card off. <laughs> speaking of golden handcuffs, like the, the one thing that's interesting is there are uh, partner programs for things that go beyond what Apple provides that you can get three percent back on uh, like notably uber and uber eats if you use apple pay using the apple card uh, mm-hmm. supposedly you qualify for the three percent as well i've, I've not tried oh, really? this myself what is that because apple's getting a cut of uber i <laughs> oh, i have no, no idea somebody somewhere has decided this is good and and may or may uh, not have exchanged big bags of cash yeah i don't know i i have a feeling this has done this has all been these rules have all been laid out by financial analysts and you know like like expert lawyers who are in the financial game they're they're not this isn't kidding stuff right so they're not fooling around well it's goldman sachs you know yeah they, even, even they so. they certainly know quite a bit about extracting money from people so mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. they know what they're doing 
<laughs> All right. And so, um, but, so as a regular person, like, can some can anybody go to their bank and get a, a card? Like, how does Goldman Sachs fit into the grand scheme of things as financial institutions go in the U.S.? Like, are they top top well, notch? Well, Goldman or? Sachs is, is is mainly an investment bank. Okay. Um, and but they are kind of considered the top one mm-hmm. in the U.S., the biggest one in the U.S. Okay. Yeah, this is sort of their their getting their tippy toes into the consumer banking side of things. Yes, right. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems to be that's why they decided to, per Apple's sort of requirement, they give up the ability to uh, analyze and resell data about you, which they would normally do, right? Like the credit companies normally do. Um, Speaking of which, or at least sort of vaguely related, um, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not suggesting you do this, but if you wanted to do this, if you wanted to opt out of the arbitration clause, uh, just sort of standard procedure for these sorts of things, you have like 30 to 90 days, something like that, after you open the account to do so. If you do go this route, I would suggest you do what I did, which is do it through the messages route. So just go into, go take a look at your card details and wallets. There's the little, you know, three button, uh, three dots, ellipsis sort of thing. In there is a messages, which uses the, what is that thing called? Like, iMessages for business, whatever that product is called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, you yeah. just instead of doing the, like, you know, uh, writing a letter or sending an email and, or calling, it's like, I just, in the middle of the night, typed up, I would like to opt out of the arbitration cause for Apple Card. And then it says, cool, thank you. I will route you to somebody who can help you. And then maybe like five to ten minutes later, it's like, great, you have been opted out. So what is the arbitration call? I'm not, I'm not following Like, either. if you, uh, sort of like the terms of service or contractually agreement here you would normally be agreeing to not uh, sorry giving up your right to sue them for i don't know whatever you want to sue them for and instead are agreeing to go through arbitration so okay gotcha. so not yeah, through yeah, the court yeah. system but using a, an arbitrator mediator yeah, yeah. to figure out whatever your disagreement is and so you have opted out of that process so you're going to sue them directly is that what you're saying i mean i'm not intending <laughs> just to be very clear in case really, <laughs> i am not intending to sue <laughs> please don't close my account um, <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen to this show. But uh, <laughs> for me, uh, you know, we could go down like the ethical and moral standings around arbitration clauses and, and, and using those to avoid class action lawsuits. For me, I was like, well, it's really not going to hurt. And I kind of wanted to just try it out because it seemed really cool to do it through messages instead of like send a certified letter to this particular PO box and then, you know, inscribe it with your insignia and make sure you use the right kind of wax to close the envelope sort of thing that you would normally have to do for this. It's very seamless. Where'd you find this thing? I'm kind of Uh, looking for it. Let me take a look at my phone real quick. So if you go into wallet and then tap on the card and in the upper right-hand corner is the three little dots button. The ellipsis. The ellipsis. And then it says Apple card, message, call, or website. Hit message. That will take you over to the message. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have that. Really? How can I not have that? So does yours say like Apple card, payment card, and then oh, here I do. three okay, buttons? Yes. Okay. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then message. it opens up a new message to Apple and you know, just said, I'd like, uh, I'm looking yeah, at, okay, I'd like gotcha, to opt out gotcha. of the Apple card arbitration. Oh, interesting. I can help with that. Let me connect you with an Apple card specialist at Goldman Sachs. Hmm. It was so pretty easy. Super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Hmm. Hmm. That's wild and crazy. Wild and crazy. Cool. All right. Everything you might ever want to know about uh, Apple Card, but we're afraid to 
Yeah. So I got the last question I have for you guys though is, is do you really need another Apparently it wasn't the everything you well, mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I, I did think of a question that I was before I said that but but and I just remembered it. So the question is this. Do you really need another credit card? No. No, not even close. <laughs> no. I I got it because it, it was free and kind of fun. Uh-huh. If there was a yearly fee, I wouldn't have done it. Oh, so it is a yearly fee. There's no yearly fee. That's another, no another advantage. Fee. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think right. there's also no right. uh no late fee for payment which makes me a little unclear how that works like what, what's the penalty for like you deciding to, to never pay back your balance um <laughs> and the, the other thing is i think there is and it, i might be wrong but hopefully somebody will correct me i don't think there are any uh charges for uh international banking fees like you know, using your credit card internationally hmm. interesting yeah there's, there's got to be there's got to be uh yeah because why wouldn't people just sign up for it and then like you said just never pay off the minimum minimum amount or whatever right there must be a minimum payment you're supposed to make yeah normally the yeah, I, I think the 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 uh, late fee is you know usually if you if you pay within or you know if you if you miss your your uh, your due date they'll charge you like twenty five bucks or something like that and there's still an expectation that you're going to pay you know within that month if you don't ever pay again then things get much more serious quickly but the twenty five right. bucks or whatever the, whatever the amount is is just a you know it's just a another way for them to make money because you forgot to send in your on your time payment yeah and yeah. it got their day late yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah I suppose it could be considered a bit unfair um it's interesting you know because we just had a we had a uh, insurance company but they tried to open a banking service here in canada and i guess they just there was just wasn't enough customers for them and so they've withdrawn the service and they forgave everybody their balances wow. oh yeah, yeah i did see that uh, chase where do i sign up <laughs> it was like it was like chase uh getting out of canada right and was it chase yeah it's somebody yeah it was just yeah. recently right yeah yeah they, i guess i guess they decided whatever the balances were Oh, it was Chase. Worth, yeah, maybe it was Chase. It wasn't yeah. worth uh, doing you know, the normal things they would do to try to claw back that, that, uh, that value. So you think it was chase, not, um, I thought it was chase, not man life. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's JP Morgan chase is when I say that, right. And, okay, and all yeah. the things they own, like Merrill Lynch, Oh wait, that's bank of America, whatever it is they own. Right. Like after consolidation, they own like a bazillion yeah, here, things. Yeah, right. It's, it's, I found the headline. It says uh, chase forgives Canadian credit card. Yeah. Chase bank wipes out Canadian customers, credit card debts. So, yeah. Weird. Eh? Like, well, I have a chase card. I don't do that for me no oh it's too bad <laughs> yeah and then people are saying can you forget my debt too yeah interesting i guess yeah i guess there just wasn't enough traction and they just uh yeah took off ran away took their ball and went home all righty okay so what's what's new and exciting in the world of apple watches Jaime? yeah speaking of uh getting in debt and using the apple card uh apparently new ceramic and titanium apple watch models have been spotted in the watch os 6 beta and people are expecting those to be announced when the next iphone announcement comes which we haven't even touched on, but I guess all spoilers of that one. It's supposedly September 10th. Mm-hmm. Do we have to, a link for that or no? I can find one. That's oh, okay. It, there's, there's actually a link in the article itself. Interesting. But this was based on uh, some sort of placeholder art that says hold for release. So we don't currently have a ceramic a watch. We had one in the past, right? The infamous the white Apple Watch, right? Series 2, I think, had the ceramic. Am I right? 2 or 3, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. The Series 4 does not have ceramic. Hmm. And now with the whole 
titanium thing. I'm like, should I also not let it touch denim or leather? I mean, <laughs> might, might cramp my lifestyle. Don't wear it. It's like it's like the guitar in in uh, Spinal Tap. Don't even play right, it. It can't be played. Don't take this tag off. Don't even touch it. You know. Yeah, this is. You know, I uh, I've been thinking about the Apple Watch and whether I would upgrade this year. I granted it. It sounds silly to to start planning it out when I don't even know what the dang thing does. Right? Yeah. Maybe it's got like, oh, it checks your blood pressure. Oh, you know, it, it, it tells you have glaucoma. I don't know what it'll do. The, the rumor is it, it can actually tell time too. <laughs> <laughs> and does it play Nickelback songs? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, so from a, a functional standpoint, I don't really need a new one because the Series 3 I have is actually, it's pretty dang fast. Like they, they hit that nice, you know, bit of the curve that it, it, it's fast enough. Uh, certainly, you know, I've seen people with fours and it, it looks like it's nicer to have the larger display. But I might, might be interested in trying out ceramic or titanium just as a as a fashion and kind of a coolness sort of factor. Yeah, the ceramic looks pretty cool. I like the look of it. But, but I recall it was like $1,000 more expensive or something. It wasn't, wasn't inexpensive. You know? But here's the ultimate, the ultimate more than just code follow-up question. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Okay, has, go for it. Has Buckethead ever covered a Nickelback song? No. <laughs> you're emphatically true. You're emphatic about that, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, emphatic. Yeah. He has not. It'll be interesting to see if he has. Ooh, at Buckethead on Twitter, huh? Guess what I'm going to be doing after the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. What's next, Tommy? It's all. It's the all Jaime show because I was busy this week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you know, well, this okay. one I'm going to have a lot to say about, but right. introduce it. Tommy. Yeah. I, some of these next uh, things we're going to talk about are, are sort of more on just the the general code side of things, not even Ooh, necessarily related yeah. to, mm. to mobile or even you know, necessarily related to, to so Apple. It's the just code part of the show, right? Just code. <laughs> all right. Um, this is a, a finally some code part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Drum roll, please. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, the team at Dropbox has posted this, uh, this wonderful little blog post called the not so hidden cost of sharing mm-hmm. code between iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. And this talks about their, um, their recent change that they had, you know, had originally a strategy to share uh, as much code as possible between iOS and Android by using Using a shared C++ library. And uh, sorry, madness. It's not unreasonable. I mean, I, I know Swift sort of makes C++ yeah. a little bit more painful, but they started this back when Objective-C was the hotness. Sure. Yeah. And Kotlin was was not really that prevalent. So um, Java and the, the JNI, whatever that's Java native interface it probably stands for, that lets you reach out to C++. It's not an unreasonable thing to say, hey, we would like to have these basic business logic uh, portions or this, you know, I don't know, cryptographic things. You know, you, you can imagine you know, shared code that you would not want to have to reduplicate in both you know native uh, iOS programming languages and native Android programming languages, right? Just just write it once and just have both teams sort of use it and then build the you know nice fancy GUIs on top of that. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the the hypothesis. There's certainly lots of people trying to do similar-ish things in many different ways, shapes, and forms. Um, but it's it's pretty interesting to see a big company like Dropbox say it. Uh, it was okay 
we started and it is rapidly became, um, you know, a self-defeating factor to go this route mm-hmm. for many reasons. I'm, I'm kind of curious what Mark, what your, uh, your take on this was. Well, I have uh, a strong opinion on this because I use this exact library, which was open sourced by Dropbox for about two years at a previous company. Uh, and I found it extraordinarily painful. Oh, really? Now, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm not a C++ developer, uh, but as a mobile developer who has done a lot of Objective-C and Swift, I really, really did not enjoy it. Uh, and all of the points they made resonated pretty strongly, uh, in particular, the one about finding and hiring and retaining mobile people to work on it. Uh, one of the reasons I'm no longer working on that was because of this precise library. I really had very little desire to write mobile apps in C++. Wow. So uh, just a uh, sidebar here, I think it wasn't Cocos 2D uh, using C++ on top of Objective-C? Uh, some of it, yes, was written underneath. But but what Cocos 2D was, was its own, essentially its own flavor language in some sense. I mean, mm-hmm. like a meta language written on top of Objective-C. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't say it was really, I mean, yeah, a lot of it itself might have been written in C++ under the hood. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but you as a Cocos 2D developer were not writing in C++. Right. Well, I think actually what I think may be getting conflated here is that, that I think that when they moved to supporting Android, they had, I think they started adopting more of the C++ stuff because, because I, I do recall in around version two or three, version three, I think they started, they started supporting both environments, right? Well, uh, that, that, I don't know, maybe. Um, th- there was a time when Android didn't support C++ at all, actually. Oh, okay. So, okay, maybe. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. but maybe that maybe once it did, that's when they started doing this to make it more cross-platform. That's right. what's possible. Right, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that got, I think, it, I don't know if it's still around, but it got kind of squished by Unity and, is it Unity? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and it was, it was getting kind of long in the tooth anyway, just with the 2D sprite-based Yeah, and sprite kit uh, came approach. along. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sprite kit, it looks a lot like Cocoa Studio, actually. And, yeah. And, uh, and even sprite kit is kind of being pushed aside now by scene kit. Mm-hmm. Um, now the, the diehard sprite kit developers out there are screaming at their phones or, but, <laughs> you know. but it's, it's a question Tammy asked a lot on, on the roundabout because she was a big fan of, uh, of, um, of sprite kit and scene kit. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the article here, the, the things I, uh, a couple sections that I'll just read out verbatim because they're sort of the key points was, um, they kind of had two different problems here to to resolve to, to deal with you know just people leaving the project and stuff. Uh, one finding and hiring candidates with this very specific skill set. We tried to hire for this role for over a year with no success. So absolutely C plus plus person who wants to work on mobile uh, or two train mobile or C plus plus engineers in house with the missing skill set, which is practically impossible to do when you no longer have somebody with the desired skill set to perform the training. Right, even before the core group moved on, mobile engineers were generally not interested in learning. C++, so finding people to train was a big issue as well. Yep. And and their conclusion paragraph that, that I really like to talk about is, although writing once sounds like a great bargain, the associated overhead made the cost of this approach outweigh the benefits, which turned out to be smaller than expected anyway. In the end, we no longer share mobile code via C++ or any other non-standard way, and instead write code in the platform native languages. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, it, 
Like, I don't want to completely knock it because there are reasons you might want to do this sort of thing. Um, I'm a little surprised just given how big Dropbox got in terms of number of engineers pretty early on. Surprised they didn't just go native. I mean, they certainly would have had engineering headcount to deal with it. Um, this oh, approach seems more like something you would do if you had sort of a, a very specific skill set or you lack headcount. I think it was the former. They had they had a lot of C plus plus experts, and you know, when when the only tool you got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. All righty. So yeah, I saw this article and I chuckled to myself. I have to be honest. Yeah, been there, done that. Got the t shirt. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny. It's it's almost like a little uh, Rorschach test for people's opinions on things. If you followed any of the the Reddit threads or. Uh, Twitter threads, hacker news threads. There are some people who agree with like, yeah, this is this is totally the right move. They, they should never have done it. And people said, no, no, no. They, clearly they were just doing something wrong and they needed to have better C++ folks. Or other people said, no, no, no. Clearly the problem was C++. They should have done it in Rust or Go right. or Python yeah. or whatever your particular flavor is. Right. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So what's next on our hit parade here? The next one is uh, some highlights from uh, GitHub about what Git 223 2.23 will give us uh, mm-hmm. The things that I happen to like are, uh, it's not even new features, really. It's its just different names for existing features. So if you've done any sort of Git for any amount of time, you inevitably run into, why does checkout have so many dang things that it does? It does everything. It can create branches. It, it, it does everything except clone stuff, right? It can reset branches back to uh, you know particular points in time. And it's really sort of difficult to sort of grok what's going on. You have to just know or uh, know about all these switches or you have to like go Google search for them. And it said there's uh, two new experimental commands called uh, switch and restore. And kind of from just the names themselves, you could almost certainly guess what they are. But if you didn't, they're kind of more straightforward, right? So switch is kind of like it says on the box. It will switch branches for you, right? So instead of like get check out this particular branch, get check out minus B, you know, create a new branch and switch me to it. It will do that sort of stuff for you. And get restore does what you kind of would intuitively look for anyways, which is, oh no, I have messed up my working copy. I would like to restore it back to the pristine state it was before. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's a bit more intuitive than git checkout dash dash for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always just end up having to Google search those or uh, search for it the one time and then write a little um, shell script or, or alias command at the very least that does the thing I would like it to do. Git yeah, undo sort of thing. Yeah. And it's always you have to remember do you want to do git reset or git revert or right because they do very different things uh, and this one it sounds like this one's sort of like a, a reset hard right if it's well if you're doing the whole branch it looks and it looks like it is right but if it's oh no if it's a single file it's it's like a git checkout dash dash except yeah yeah it does look like that yeah so right so so right there there i just i just rattled off three different ways of of putting your file back to a an older version right mm-hmm. and which one does which and if you do the wrong one you can get yourself in big trouble right so yeah so maybe this is a good thing maybe restore is good i i think so because i think um 
other than like when you have mega repositories like like windows sized repositories and this is why microsoft has put so much time and effort into like uh performance stuff for git as they moved uh the windows source code over to it um other than that like the fundamental architecture of git under the covers is pretty damn brilliant like it's it's stood the test of time and it works really well for what it's intended to do but it's ui it's command line interface is completely bananas as we just talked about, right? <laughs> Checkout does everything. <laughs> Here are all these different yeah. commands that Mark rattled off that that do <laughs> very importantly different things, and they're very right. slightly Similar, different, but 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 different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very slight differences in the the CLI output or input that you would be writing to do very different things. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm excited for this. I'll I'll never whenever I end up upgrading to that, I'll probably. So this is out now already, this. or I think so. I think it was just released. I didn't check to see. Yeah, so it does suggest. Just release at the top of the top of the article. Yeah, I, what I haven't done is I, I'm probably going to get so much crap from the community about this, but uh, <laughs> you know I've tended to use uh, Homebrew to deal with versions of Git. I don't know if that's what the cool kids are doing anymore. Maybe there's like a better way to do it. But if there is a better way, and you're shaking your your fist at the phone, uh, hit us up hmm. on Twitter hashtag AskMTJC and and tell me. Let me learn a better way to get versions of Git. Which version ships with Xcode 11? Do we know? Um, probably hmm. check. I don't know. Nobody knows. I have it on my machine here. And just logging into it. I'm assuming it's minus V, right? Actually, I just use minus minus V, so minus my work. So, okay, I just did that. I get 2.20.1, but I got to check whether my command line tools are set to Xcode 10 or Xcode 11 right now. Wow, it's minus V version for me. Yeah, I have to type version. Uh, 2.21, yeah, that's what I've got. 2.20.1. Well, hang on, I'm just opening up the Mac, got the 11 on it. My Catalina Mac apparently doesn't know what terminal is. Wow. Okay, that's those are the 10.3, and I'm going to switch to 11.0. Let's see if it makes any difference. Uh, okay, so it looks like 11.0 beta 6 is 2.21.0. So they did up, up at one um, minor version. And this one that you just mentioned was 23? Yeah. Yes. So they're a couple of high. Yeah, that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. I guess about how most people would get it. They would just, uh, unlike Jaime and his nasty homebrew thing, um, most people would just uh, install with the Xcode tools, right? I yeah. mean, but it's not necessarily the, the latest and greatest, though. Yeah. Got to live on the bleeding edge. Yeah, it's true. The only way you'll bleed. I can't believe you're giving me... <laughs> I'm not giving <laughs> you're, you crap. You're giving me crap I'm for just, this. You, you installed the beta on I your phone. I use homebrew all the time. I'm just kidding you. <laughs> Teasing you, jeez! I, I, you can't, you can't do ha- fa- fast lane. You got to use homebrew number things. Yeah, for sure. All right, and on to the next thing that Jaime's posted for us. Yeah, this is oh, speaking a, of yet, yeah, this is a, like a really good news day for three things that sort of pair up and go well to well with each other. Um, uh, Bitbucket has announced here that unfortunately they are sunsetting Mercurial support. So going forward, it'll be uh, all gifts all the time. And they've got a, a timeline here for key dates like February 1st, 2020. You will no longer be able to create new repositories with Mercurial. In June 1st, 2020, you will not be able to use Mercurial features in Bitbucket or via its API. Uh, and the repositories will be removed. And all current um, functionality will be available through May 31st, 2020. Interesting. And, and they're talking Does about Bitbucket work with subversion? I don't know what they all support. As they mentioned here, they actually started out with Mercurial support as the only thing that they had, and they added Git later. I, I don't know if they support Subversion. I'd have to look. Mm-hmm. 
according to a feature request, uh, Bitbucket server team has no plans to support SVN. Huh, interesting. There you go. Did, so they never did? Never did, apparently. Hmm. I don't think I've ever used Mercurial. I have used SVN back in the day. Yeah, I used SVN quite a bit. I've never used Mercurial. Yeah. You ever use P4 or Perforce? I have used Perforce. Yeah, Perforce. Yes. Yeah. Way back when, yeah. when I was in the chip business, we used that. Yeah, yeah. I used it on some, some freelance work I was doing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for, for Did me, you ever use uh, CVS, the original? I don't Wait, the, think so. When you yeah. say, like, original CVS or... Actually, I, I don't know if it's if it's the original source control, but it was oh, one the grand, of the, the grand papi of them all. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. have used CVS um, Subversion Visual Source Safe, which, despite his name, was quite the opposite, um, and Git. Never never used Perforce, never used Mercurial. I'm looking on Wikipedia now for a CVS to see if it actually was the original one. Hmm. Yeah, so it's unfortunate for, for folks. I As far as I can tell from uh, checking out the interwebs, it kind of seems like at this point, it's pretty much just Facebook as a major entity that uses Mercurial. Um, so despite the fact that Git and Mercurial came out at roughly around the same time, 2004, 2005-ish time frame, it, um, it seems like for, perhaps for many reasons, Git has, has ended up sort of winning the war in this one. And I think I would point towards GitHub's popularity as being something that really helped push Git over the, over the finish line here. Hmm. I don't know that to be a fact, but I mean, there's no Mercurial hub, right? Or equivalents. Right, right, right. I didn't even know that Bitbucket supported Mercurial, which is funny since they supposedly started out with Mercurial yeah. support. I always I, thought it I was would, Git. I would also argue that uh, the fact that it, it shipped with Linux in the early days was a big, big part of it. Git? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. by Linus Torvald. Yeah, it was written by uh, Linus. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, I could see how that would sort of give a real solid base, especially in the open source community, to get folks interested in using it. Yep. Yeah, I seem yep. to remember him actually doing a talk on on it when it first when he first rolled it out. Yeah. So CVS was first introduced in July of 1986, mm-hmm. and there have been no new releases since 2008. <laughs> Interesting. It uh, doesn't say whether it was the first one though. This is on your uh, on the uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah. Now I'm looking under version control on Wikipedia. Huh. Okay. Comparison. Oh. Okay. Wow. There were. Well, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. The first one. In, oh, they're just in alphabetical order. That's why. Cool. You'd think in a, an article that's th- on the history of it, they'd have it in chronological order, but no such luck. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, I guess we're at the picks portion of the show. So, Jaime, do you have something for us? Yes, my pick here is called uh, Ducky, Ducky Ducky.me by uh, Anders or possibly Anders Fisher and Mm -hmm. Matt and Joe Bennett Lovesey. And it is an open source tool, so you can go check out to see that it's not doing anything nefarious. But it's a a website here that you can use as a virtual rubber duck. So we've probably talked about rubber ducking before on this very podcast. But if you missed that episode... Rubber ducking is when you can take a literal rubber ducky, like the kind that uh, Bert and Ernie had, and when you have a problem, rather than going over to one of your teammates and, and sort of disrupting their train of thought, you can just talk to the rubber duck about, here's the problem that I'm having. And when you do that sort of thing, uh, for psychological, brainy, brainy wainy, <laughs> like timey wimey reasons, uh, you usually say, oh, now that I've stated it out loud, I now understand what the problem is, right? And, and that's the idea here, is that this thing, 
um, it kind of reminds me of, was it Liza or Eliza? The, yeah. the old system was like, yeah. how are you feeling today? How does that make you feel? What about this thing troubles you? And it responds that sort of way. Right. Mm -hmm. So like example, it says, can you describe the problem in a paragraph? Please use small sentences. I'm only a duck. And I said, as a test, my method returns null. Is your method returns null the thing that has the problem? Yes. Can you explain what your method returns null does? And then you can explain it. Oh. And at the very <laughs> end, if you're done, uh, you know, after you go through several rounds, say, cheers, duck. I think I have it now. It says, yeah. hooray, we did it. So if you don't have access to a rubber duck, or maybe you're in a coffee shop and it's not appropriate for you to be talking out loud mm -hmm. uh, for social reasons, maybe give this a try and, and see how that works for you as a, a way to get past some of those, oh, I have this problem, blah, blah. Oh, wait, you know what? Before I even finish the question, I know what the issue is now. So hopefully it helps you out. Nice. Interesting. We, um... so let me jump in with some real-time follow-up here uh, because our, our uh, resident fact-checkers uh, are twitching right now. Uh -huh. uh, so RCS was introduced in July 1985, uh, but uh, the comment is RCS is generally, but not always, superseded by other systems such as CVS, which began as a wrapper on top of RCS. So RCS, CVS were kind of uh, early pair. But as far as I can tell, the real granddaddy of them all was SCCS, which, which I have heard of but never actually used, was introduced in 1972 on an IBM 370. Hmm. There you go. That, as far as I can tell, in this list at least, is the earliest one. Oh, SCCS also... is a really good name. Source Code Control System yep, yep. is what that stands for. It just tells you right out there, right on the tin, what that stands for. Yeah. I remember seeing that on, on some old, uh, you know, when I used to work on Sun Workstations, there was always an SCCS directory. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was a few, many, many moons ago. So I'm trying to find Graham Lee's Duck of Truth. I don't remember if you guys remember, we talked about the Duck of Truth a few episodes ago, like probably a year ago. Uh, a friend of mine, Graham Lee, he's uh, going to be a guest on a future episode of, of Roundabout. We were asked, I was asking about this video that I saw online of him explaining the Duck of Truth. And it's the same sort of concept. You have a rubber duck and you put it up on your monitor when you don't want to be disturbed. You're, you're, you're in a noisy coding environment and you don't want people to bother you. You put the, the duck up on the uh, on the monitor. And then when, sorry, when you, I think when you are available to communicate, you you, uh, you put the duck up on there. And if, if, you, if you don't want to be, you know, bothered, you take the duck off the top of your monitor. And so the idea is duck on, duck off. Mm. No? <laughs> yeah, I do remember us talking about that, but I, I can't quite, you know what I'm finding? So if you don't want to be duck dynasty bothered, stuff. duck off. Duck off. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Duck off. Add and post the drum thing that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> the rim shot. The rim yeah. shot. Ba dum bump. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, of all things combine or combine, uh, as it should be pronounced, I think um, this is another another piece yet again. Uh, this is called Twenty Two Short Tests on Combine Part One Protocols by Matt Gallagher and in, of Coco Love, and he's going to be uh, doing a series of these things uh, on on sort of his take on his way of explaining the future of uh, iOS development to us. Uh, of course, this again is Apple's reactive programming framework. And uh, this piece came out last week, and uh, it's talking about protocols and how, you know, publisher and subscribers, what they are, how they work, sort of the protocols underneath the, the hood, uh, what's in the tin, and uh, yeah, just a lot, a lot of, it's a bit in-depth, uh, sort of an advanced read if you want, and I think it, he says at the bottom he is going to be covering, next up is Lifecycle, so yeah. So, yeah, so just another another quick little uh, piece on protocols that I stumbled across today. Have you guys had a glance at it? 
I haven't, and it looks dense enough it that is. I don't think I can just wing it here. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah definitely not for the. Uh, yeah, the, we talked about count, combined one one last week uh, with uh, by um, Scott Gardner, and uh, yeah, so this week is a little little, little deeper dive for people. Um, and of course, my my next pick is uh, self promotional piece. I guess is that the uh, we talked about my pr- appearance at Swift TO last week, and the videos have been edited and they've been posted up here, and as well as a. Fi- a Flickr library of, uh, of people if you want to see what they look like and stuff like that and, and uh, if maybe you want to see yourself in the audience if you were there but uh, the page I've got linked here has a link to all of the talks uh, of course my talk on, on uh, hacking your brain with neuroplasticity is there uh, we talked a bit about um, uh, Abby Jackson's uh, modularize all the things last week and of course I think you definitely should you want to check out the evolution of Swift talk by Paul Hudson where he applies to be for Canadian citizenship and then goes on to talk about the evolution of Swift and, and you know, are we there yet kind of uh, concept, right? Um, other talks of note were um, the, the start simple and get to the right details right, and that was more about uh, using Swift UI in current projects. Um, I did miss a couple of talks myself, because work was beckoning, but yeah, there was uh, some interesting uh, interesting talks there. And then, of course we talked about last week the continuous integration piece with um, uh, Bitwise I think it's called, yeah, Bit Bitrise uh, and how that compares with, we were talking about last week with GitHub. Is it GitHub's uh, CI, CD stuff that we were talking about last week, right, Jaime? That's correct. The uh, action stuff. Yeah. And then a um, former colleague of mine uh, did a piece on uh, writing testable code, his sort of take on uh, UI testability or yeah, unit testing and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a good, good series of uh, videos and things to look at. Good for the amygdala. Good for the amygdala. Well, it's good for the neocortex. The amygdala can make its own opinions a hundred times mm, faster, of course. True. And will. And will. And how. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how. Yeah. And so it reminds me, you were talking about this bumper sticker that you, you saw. Was it again? Um, don't let it get to your amygdala. Don't let it get to your it remind, my favorite. My favorite one is uh, uh saw it was driving along and i saw this um only you can cure narcissism yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep anyway yeah so those are my talks any comments questions how many it looks like it's a pretty sizable crowd i'm looking at photos of the uh was, was it single track is that single track conference 250 people were, were um, registered okay. and it was sold out so i don't know if um uh, uh you know there were some empty seats but uh, i don't know if everybody didn't show up or whatever but yeah there was uh it was a full full house. You can't really hear the people laughing at someone. I did actually make a few jokes in my talk, and people did laugh. But but I noticed when I listened to it again, it's obviously was well, a closed mic. It's not, you were actually wearing the mic on a lapel mic, but you don't they didn't tape the audience, so you can't hear them laughing at mm. various points. Convenient uh, explanation there. Did you go to Swift to and our listener of this very podcast? Hit us up and hashtag ask MDGC <laughs> and tell us the truth. Wow. <laughs> You can see, like, you, if you watch, um, if you watch uh, uh, Paul Hudson's talk and don't crack a smile, I'll be surprised. It, does it spoil anything of it to explain why he's wearing a Raptors uh, cap? Yes, is he? Is he proclaim? I thought maybe he was proclaiming uh, kinship as part of the championship, given the Commonwealth nature between your two mm, countries. No, no, not at all. I did, I did, um, I did sort of give a, give it away in a previous episode. So you know, you can those of you who are keen listeners will remember why, why he's wearing. A sports cap, but uh, it only—it's only three minutes into the into his talk. You can, if you don't want to listen to the whole talk, you can. But I, I do recommend you do listen to his talk. I think it, 
it was it was one of the better. It was very entertaining. You know, he's a pretty smart guy. You know, and he's been so three minutes and three minutes in, you'll find out why he's wearing the cap. But maybe he was doing that thing where you know we don't have a a basketball team and NBA basketball team in Seattle, so I can kind of like say, well, I'm on the West Coast, so Mm. maybe the Warriors. Yes, there you go. That's the ticket. What what about the uh, what about the Seattle SuperSonics, Jaime? Oh, sorry. See, that's exactly why it's like (laughs) oh. Got a, don't have a, a hometown team, so might as well jump onto the bandwagon then. You spend a lot of time in Portland, though, right? True, true. And if uh, the Blazers would get a little further into the playoffs, <laughs> maybe I would be yeah. like, uh, there you go. That's my reason there. Yeah. yeah. The other talk I mentioned last week, getting back to the, the subject at hand, um, was called Building for the Long Haul. And that was this the uh, piece by Frank Corville, who talks about the sort of slow approach to getting uh, Swift UI incorporated into your, into your app, your mega app. All right. So that's. Uh, that's that's the name of that tune. All right, so I guess that's it for another week. So hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? I'm at MarkR at Smapsoft.com. All right, and as I say every week, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is how you'll where you'll find me. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys in the future. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. So the, so the picture I sent was a bumper sticker that I saw mm-hmm. a while back, which which basically said, "Don't let it get your amygdala." That, that's what bumper sticker oh, is. Oh, don't let it get and your. The reason amygdala. I took the picture is yeah. because um, so I I do this. Uh, we call it we call it a book club. We actually call it the Evil Geniuses Club, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a book club. It's a bunch of guys that we we get together. We read a book and then we get together and go drink beer and then yeah. talk about. Um, and you know we we read like some pretty interesting you know high level books. It's not like it's not like romance novels. You know, mm-hmm. it's all it's like nonfiction technical stuff mostly uh, but one of them a bunch of the, the people in the group are, are pretty interested in like in in biology and especially brain chemistry yeah uh, so we read a couple of books on uh, how the brain works yeah and so you know there was lots of stuff about the amygdala and the neocortex and all that yeah. i should look them up because you'd probably be interested in them actually yeah maybe I can, I can get you the links to the books if you want well it's ironically i went to between when i did this to- the the demo talk and the actual talk uh we did a an emotional intelligence course for the managers and then that's where the only amygdala stuff and and near torcrex came, came from right but uh yeah and i had to i had to i, I looked at looked at the artwork they were using and, and it, mm. so i ended up i ended up making a profile of my that actually actually is my head in the video but i did actually do a trace of my head and uh. found a found a brain and a skull
So let's hit the YouTubes and see if uh, Bucket Hit Bucket List has ever played yeah. uh, Bucket List. Bucket List, yeah. Bucket List. Bucket List. Is is Bucket Hit on your Bucket List? Yeah. Should no, be. he's not on my Bucket List. Yeah. You know what you can actually do? You can go to Set List. Let's see this. Setlist.com. Mm-hmm. Setlist.fm, I think it is. Yeah. Setlist.fm. Yes, and you can search for Bucket List. Bucket Head. Just keep saying that. Bucket Head. There he is. And I believe there's a section where they show what songs he's actually covered. Hmm. Does he write his own stuff or does he play? Yeah. Most almost almost exclusively his own stuff. Mm-hmm. You could go under artist statistics and look at song statistics. Plays a lot of them. Numchuck played that a lot of time. Damn. Yeah, he actually. It's kind of funny because he actually isn't playing the guitar in Numchucks. He's actually out there using Numchucks. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's okay. he's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do a do a YouTube search on Buckethead Numchucks mm-hmm. or Numchucks, and you'll see mm-hmm. this. The the man is a brilliant guitarist, but he's not quite all there. He's played Purple Haze. Played some Rage Against the Machine. Oh, he's using them in like a kata performance. I thought he would be like hitting stuff, like using it as no, a percussive no. instrument or. Oh, no, no, no. He's played Crazy Chain, Crazy crazy Train. Mike, he's done a Michael Jackson cover. Mm-hmm. Getting close. That's not that close. <laughs> Down to the end. Joe Walsh cover. Life's been good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's songs by Praxis. So he was in Praxis. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So under the covers, are you looking at the covers list? No. Is there such a thing? Yeah. If I you go under, go list. to artist statistics, go to song statistics, and then click on covers. Oh, okay. Right. You'll see oh. all the covers by band uh, and the number of number of them that played hmm. cover van halen Herbie hancock cover tenacious d i think that's pretty funny yeah they actually had original songs yeah other songs are original songs okay yeah. audio slave never covered rush yeah. <laughs> backstreet boys <laughs> what the hell is that all about that's close see uh, that's close-ish. What song do you cover by them? I don't know. Sometimes you do you cover things the be tongue firmly planted in cheek, right? Yeah. Why does not have any uh, any um? What band was he in? He was in um. He replaced Slash for a while. Uh, yeah, that would have been uh, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I'm assuming he played Tubular Bells at some point. Tubular Bells. Well, he's got Michael Oldfield here, right? Oh yeah. Let's see. Yes, you're right. Tubular Bells Part One. Wow, hmm. that would be cool to see. Hmm. That would be really cool to see. He covered Judy Garland. Yeah, probably Somewhere Over the Rainbow because he has that whole Somewhere Over the Slaughterhouse theme. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's Backstreet Boys there. But no Nickelback. Hate to tell you. Oh, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. How do you? Oh, I want it that way. He played, which makes sense. Hmm. It's only a matter of time. Telling you. Well, he's he's not healthy these days, so he might not. <laughs> no, it's actually true. Oh, yeah. He's got some kind of I think it's a liver condition. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Listening to somewhere over the slaughterhouse, it, it definitely is somewhere over the rainbow, but slowed down, mm-hmm. very twangy, and has a uh, like a drop, like part to it. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Never heard that. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go at it from a different different angle. Let's see who Nickelback has covered. Mm. They covered the Foo Fighters. Metallica. I, I know people yeah. were surprised about that one. Now, just remember, Tim, because you've now clicked on a, on a Nickelback link, mm-hmm. you there's a permanent record for the history, for the whole entire future of the internet forever, yeah. that you, cl- you clicked on a Nickelback link. So. No, there isn't. Sure. No, there isn't. Uh, using a VPN? I'm using DuckDuckGo. Yeah, you trust it? Yeah. But but you're, were you looking at it on setlist.fm? Mm-hmm. Then once you leave DuckDuckGo to go to setlist.fm, you're no longer mm-hmm. on DuckDuckGo. You're on setlist.fm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not logged in. Yeah, but they're keeping track of you. They have your IP address. <laughs> I don't know that they're keeping track of you, but they certainly could be keeping track of you. Uh-huh. Be interesting to 
go click on that little ghost thing at the top and see who's looking at you, who's watching you right now. The little ghost thing? Does it do that anymore? Ghost? Remember Ghost yeah, yeah, yeah. show no, you they, all the trackers? It, cha- it changed. It's now um, Ghost Tree Light, I think. Yeah, I guess it doesn't show you the trackers. I'm clicking on it. It won't stay open. Hmm. Oh, and I got a spinny beach ball. Mine shows stuff like I can see uh, a double I'm, I'm click clicking one. on it. It just, oh, there we go. Um, There's like a little carrot. I have zero people X. following me right now. Man, I'm listening to this Nickelback cover of Sad But True by Natalica. It's really good. Nickelback covering it? Yeah. Where'd you find that? On the YouTubes. On the YouTubes. Nickelback covering Metallica or Metallica covering Nickelback? N- uh, Nickelback covering Metallica. Yeah. And apparently they have a tragically hip cover. Really? Hmm. This is like some, some meta meta stuff. Wait. Nickelback YouTube. How did you find the covers on YouTube? I, I actually searched on Google and one of the first results was a YouTube one. I assume if I do the same, let's see. Oh, Nickelback covers brings up a whole bunch of stuff. Like them covering or being covered? I think it's them covering Master of Puppets live in Montreal. Let's see. <laughs> so if somebody gave you uh, free tickets to see Nickelback, would you go, Mark? No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I'd, have to, I'd have to live with that pain for the rest of my life if I did. Mm-hmm. Or you could listen to it backwards. Yeah, maybe it would be good to listen to it backwards. Nickelback covers metallic. I don't even know. Oh, let's see what they play by. It's got to be. Uh, I'm going to guess it's Bob Cajun. Oh yeah, the head by century they were covering. Led Zeppelin, Moby Moby Dick, Live in Austin. Hmm. Probably for a drum solo. Oh yeah, this one says drum solo in the title. Mm-hmm. Wow, I really want to hear uh, Buckhead play regular balls now. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Uh-huh. So I I found a Buckethead clip where he does This is Halloween from The Nightmare Before Christmas, hmm. which segues into the theme for Halloween, the movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. Hmm. It's an interesting mix. Kind of partial to the um, Marilyn Manson version of This is Halloween. Uh-huh. That's the one I, I turn up a tunes, turn it up on my HomePod come October. It's funny. We recorded last night because so I went to see a Rush movie tonight, right? And it was like a, a, a like a film made around their their last performance in um, 2015, I think. And um, the, Are they officially all broken up now. Yeah, well, Neil Peart is retired. Like he he retired yeah, okay. a couple times, but he retired because he's it it's, takes so much physical effort to play the way he does. He doesn't want mm. to like tone it down. He doesn't want to do like you know older drummers do, where they get another drummer to come and do the hard bits. Right? He just right. doesn't want to do it, right? And and they're all okay with that. And and um, so this is like the last, I mean, I didn't realize at the time it was probably the last time, the ch- last chance to see them, right? But um, so I was, so I, I had said, I had bought the ticket like months ago, right? Because when he announced it and because, uh, you know, I wanted to go see the, them. I want to see this. And, and and they do these one night only kind of um, presentations and all the Rush fans come and they, they cheer and they clap. I'm like, they can't hear you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was like five years ago, right? But yeah, the, the, you get together, you know, it's that whole tribal thing and everybody gets together. They all wear their Rush t-shirts and stuff like that. I had, a, of course, I was wearing a Pat Metheny t-shirt because I don't own a Rush t-shirt. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know like the first three or four songs, so I didn't listen to the later, later years of Rush. But um, so, but, but the, the guest on Roundabout last night is also a huge Rush fan. And so he's in Boston, but he's going to, or I think he's in California actually now, but, but he, he's going to see it in California tonight too as well. So hmm. it was funny that both of us Where's were... Playing in California? Huh? Where in California is it playing? Oh, I don't know. It's playing all over the place. It's one night only. It's like tonight. So I'm not sure where. 
Mark's playing. It's called uh, Rush uh, Cinema Strangiato. Well, I might have to leave and go watch the movie. Let's see. It's out at 7, so you're probably missing it. No, then I probably am missing it. Are you a Rush fan? Uh, you know. Well, I know you're sure. into progressive rock, right? But yeah, but... Yeah. yeah. I stopped listening to them probably... I mean, I, I used to listen to them in the 90s and stuff like that on the radio and stuff in the 2000s, right? But I, yeah, I haven't listened to like like uh, music radio on a frequent basis since like yeah. know, probably 15 I, years, right? I, I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm really a Rush fan, but I've seen them live, I think, twice. Yeah, yeah. And I would go see a movie. Yeah, sure. so I saw them in 77 do Farewell to King, so it's kind of a high yeah, bar yeah. for me, right? So... Yeah, yeah. You know, it was probably like all all the music that I liked back then. But they, in the in the movie they did, it's good. I have to go back and check out some of the earlier tracks because they play, it's their, it was their 40th anniversary tour and they played the music chronologically in reverse order. Mm. So they started with something which I don't know. Jacob's Ladder, they played for the, for the, um, the sound check, but but they went through the yeah. whole concert if and then each song backwards, then that would be well. Something. That would be, that would be something different too, right? That would be a whole another yeah. whole another that take it to a whole another level, right? But you know, Paul Rudd's in the movie and and Jason, I forgot his name, his buddy Jason from um, How I Met Your Mother, because um, they're a huge Rush fans. They did a movie where they were Rush fans in it, right? And um, you guys from Primus were in it, and uh, of course, the, you guys you guys know the Trailer Park Boys? Have you ever heard of them? I've seen the title card on Netflix, but never actually. Oh. Oh, okay okay well it's it's sort of a made up uh uh com- like trailer community here in in Ontario and these guys are like apparently this, the story is one of them wins a lottery and so he's always got a drink in his hand and that kind of stuff and they're always selling pot and stuff like that and getting into trouble and trying to you know but it's like it's it, it's funny people people it, it was kind of an odd sort of show in the in the I guess early 2000s or yeah I guess well early 10s I guess but um 2010s but anyway they they're huge rush fans rush has been on the show a few times and of course, they had this, the tri- um, South Park kids doing Lil, Lil Rush, you know, because they do the Tom Sawyer thing, right? So anyway, so they, I, I kind of barely recognized the music for the first half of the movie, and then they had like an intermission, and after the intermission, all the all the music I recognized, except for maybe one song, right? So, so they ended with like Working Man, they did Twenty One Twelve, they did uh, Closer to the Heart, they did Xanadu, of course, right? So yeah, yeah, those are all sort of things you probably would know. So any reports back on uh, 360 iDev? Did it happen yet? No, it's next week. Oh, it's next week. Tammy's going. Oh. And she's sad because none of her buddies are going with her. Uh, I.e. me. Well, mm. Yeah. Oh. Another article right below the uh, the Buckethead one is called Hallucinating at the Foot Massage Parlor with Rush Drummer Neil Peart. Or should I say Neil Peart? It's actually Neil Peart, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know. People get testy about that. Whatever. Yeah. Like Worcestershire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it right that time. <laughs> we got we to gotta make our way back to the no, Shire. Worcestershire. It is Worcestershire. It is Shire. It's not Shire. Worcestershire. Sure. No, I know. it's The the Shire is correct, but it's it, the worst part is not Worcestershire. You don't say worst. Worcestershire. 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 Like Worcestershire. Like Worcestershire. No Worcestershire. 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 Rough one. I guess it is somewhat consistent with Yorkshire. So that Worcestershire. Actually, that, that it might even be Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Depending on how strong I'm doing on accent. Worcestershire. The city is Worcester. Mm-hmm. The Massachusetts But it's spelled Worcester? It's spelled Worcester. Worcester. Okay. Well, where where the, C, the CH is actually just a C. Mm-hmm. But, but it would be Worcester if you were going to pronounce it. Like a like a British kind of place because there's there's like a there's a Dorchester mm-hmm. uh, which is spelled similarly but there is an H in Dorchester but Worcester is spelled uh, see I said it wrong Worcester Worcester is spelled um, is spelled W O R C E S T E R mm-hmm. Worcester Worcester cool well anyway I think I'm gonna call it a night all right it's all right. now midnight here yes, well, two minutes two minutes midnight okay right. see you next time talk to you later bye bye.